Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barrett. Hello, this is John Bear. Thank you for joining me here on Collecting Confidence, where we're trying to help the average person get some confidence to get through their day with a little more confidence. This seems so easy. Today, we're going to be talking to Robin Pointer, and Robin started her life as one of North Dakota's cherished husky singers. She's been a certified trainer, former substitute teacher, and now works in Bell Springs Winery down in Texas. She's got a great story and a lot of different tips for us. So stick around for that. Want to talk about listener mail. I get listener mail. I love listener mail. Please send me listener mail. Tell me what I can do better. Tell me what I'm doing that you like. And leave me a review. Because we always like to please other people. We like to know if they like us or not. That's how we're wired. But I got an email from Bob. And I know Bob. Bob is a friend of mine. And Bob has known that I've had a podcast since I started the podcast because he is in Toastmasters with me. Hello, Bob. Bob said, I finally listened to one of your episodes. And he listened to a couple of them, actually, and he really liked them. So thank you, Bob, for listening. I told you I'd give you a little call out here. And thank you for listening to the episode. I also got a note from a Dr. K. And Dr. K was questioning my, let's say, schooling on what did I really know and what made me an expert in confidence. And I'll be honest, I'm not an expert in confidence. I have a lot of experience in confidence. I'm a theater arts major, and I've sat on a stage with hundreds of eyes looking at me wondering if I'm going to remember my next line. So I have tons of experience in the world of confidence. Not that it's a great thing, but it's what I did. It's how I was brought up. I was always in the public eye, entertaining, doing one thing or another. So I think it's important to be upfront and honest with you. I'm not trying to shove a bunch of schooling down your throat. I'm trying to open up the microphone so that the average person can talk to you about the experiences that they've had with confidence and the things that have helped them. And I think that we're always looking for, I guess... We're looking for people to tell us that what we're doing is okay. The way we're going about it is right, that we're good enough. And I think good enough is really the key. And when I was in school, I did a lot of stuff. I'm very big into the fear of missing out. I don't want to not do anything. I want to try everything. But as a result of that, I'm never great at any of it. I'm good enough at it. And so whatever the task is, whatever the hobby is, whatever the sport is, I'm good enough at it. I'm not great at any of it, but I'm okay with that because I know that to be really good at violin, for example, you need to practice the violin a lot. And there's studies that show how many hours it takes to get good at all the different things, whether it's playing chess or singing, and I'm just not interested in putting in that time to focus on any one thing. I want to be good at all of them, not great at any one of them. But is that good enough? And if you're a perfectionist, it's never good enough. So the perfectionists out there, I'm sorry, you will never, ever be good enough for yourself. You're always going to be good enough for the rest of us. We think you're great. 
But that perfectionist goes, oh, I missed that one note. No, you were, we think you were flawless. We thought it was awesome. But the perfectionist will always get on themselves. So it is important to realize that you're good enough and to make sure that you are not being your own worst enemy, that you're on your own team, that you're helping and giving yourself that inner voice that says, yes, I can do it. The other thing is, how much do you really want to put into what other people think? How much do you really want to give them that power? And that's something that's important, too. There's a lot of things that go on when you're growing up, the name-calling and the making fun of. And I know that when I was growing up, I was made fun of a bunch. And part of it was I was okay with that. Part of it was I was the class clown. So if people laughed at me and made fun of me, that's kind of what the court jester did. I was kind of a traveling roadshow, and I thought it was sort of fun. It was harmless and nobody seemed to want to fight with me. And I thought, that's great. I'll stick with that. But I had really thick curly hair when I was in about eighth or ninth grade. And I started getting called a lot of names. And one of the names was Curly. And Mary Sue Perpich, whose dad was Rudy Perpich, one of our politicians, Mary Sue called me Curly. And that name stuck with me forever. So thank you, Mary Sue. But that was one of those things where probably she was trying to be funny and say, look at you, you're curly. And I actually liked it. I enjoyed it. And I've got jackets with curly on it now. And it's my name. It's my nickname. And people know me as curly. But I think that we put a lot of weight into what other people say. And we often put a lot of weight into the negative things that they say. We're pretty quick to discount the compliments. We're not good at taking compliments, but we're pretty good at brushing off the compliments and diving into the, oh, they didn't like this, they didn't like that. And it might not even be that they said anything, just that they didn't say anything. They didn't say anything about that performance. Oh, they must hate me. They didn't invite me to that party. They must not like me. There's a lot of things like that where we will put words into their mouth. We'll play out the whole argument without them saying anything. We'll just go, oh, they must. And in our mind, we become our worst enemy and play things out. And Sometimes, you know, we're, we don't have the greatest skills. We don't have the greatest looks. We don't have the greatest car. We don't have the greatest outfit. All those things. We compare ourselves to other people. And I know when I was in grade school and they were calling me curly, I also had glasses. And almost always, because of sports or goofing around, I had a broken bow on my glasses. I always had tape on one corner of the glasses holding the bow in. And it wasn't brown tape to go with the brown glasses. It was white athletic tape. So it would stick out and look really dorky. But that's who I was. And I was, I guess, dorky. But I was okay with it. And I knew that I wasn't bringing that Hollywood Rock Hudson look to the table. And I was fine. I was good enough. The way I was, was good enough. It was who I was. This is me. Love it or leave it, I guess. And most of them left it, which is fine. But at the time, I think it was really important and it was a great lesson for me to be able to not dwell on, I wish I could be like someone else. I wish I could be the John Travolta or the whatever. I didn't, I didn't aspire to be someone else. I was who I was and I was like, wow, this is a weird set of cards I've been handed, but I'll play it out the way it goes. And I think the more we can get to that, the better we'll be where we're okay with ourselves, with who we are. And that experience, that 
confidence will come with time. We're not always going to be the best at stuff. But a lot of times people want that instant success and they don't get it. They want to be successful that first time. And I like trying everything. I'm not always successful the first time. In fact, most of the time I'm not. Bike riding, I got lucky. I was pretty successful the first time. But a lot of things, you fall over a lot and you fail a lot. Pole vaulting, I can't tell you the number of times I didn't succeed pole vaulting or high jumping or some of those things. You struggle, you have issues with succeeding. A lot of people will just stop and go, well, this isn't good. I'm not doing it right. I'm done. I won't try it again. Or they're so in awe of it because they've never done it that they won't do it. And I was talking about carving the Thanksgiving turkey. If you've never done it before, welcome to the crowd. Everybody who's ever carved a Thanksgiving turkey at one point had never carved a Thanksgiving turkey. But you have to get in there, and it's only turkey. What's the worst that can happen? It's not like you're going to ruin Thanksgiving. It's just going to be some weirdly sliced Thanksgiving turkey. So get out there, try some stuff, but know that you're okay. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, you're good enough. You're doing what you can. You're trying to get better, but even if you're not great now, if you're not perfect now, you may never get to be perfect, but you're good enough. And once we're okay with that, then confidence just rolls right in. And we're going to talk with Robin Pointer about that, so stick around. Joining me now is Robin Pointer, and Robin has a degree in human relations, it was a certified personal trainer and a former teacher in Minnesota, but now has moved down to Texas and works at Bell Springs Winery. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, we are excited to hear from you because we love when we're looking at the uh, things that you've done. We love what we see as far as confidence goes. But my very first question is, what does confidence mean to you? Confidence means to me when I can just be myself when I'm not trying to compare myself to anybody else, when I can walk into a situation and just be me. I, I try to do that. I, I, the people I surround myself with, I, I want to be real and honest and vulnerable and, you know, put myself out there and, and not try to be something I'm not. But confidence for me growing up was probably a little more difficult being the middle child who wore an eye patch and had a lazy eye until she was in the fourth grade and had braces and a bad haircut. I mean, you, you, it takes a little longer to get confidence, get through middle school. Cause my mom just sent me a picture from middle school today where my sweater was buttoned up to my neck with my glasses and my boy haircut. It took me a little longer to find my, my inner confidence. I think. <laughs> I think we pray pay handsomely for that photo of the eye patch and the braces. That would be nice. So growing up, tell, talk about the confidence and what that meant to you or how that manifested itself in your life. Oh, you know, it's funny because my mom describes me. So I had a, I had a beautiful older sister, right? She had, she was, to me, she was pretty and confident and long hair. And I had glasses and an eye patch and I would hide in my mom's, in her lap because I, I was, it was hard. It was hard. But there was also this other side of me that had great friends that was confident in who I was. So it's this weird 
insecurity and I and I still find that creeping up sometimes you know when I put my glasses on or those weird things but but I also had this this kind of crazy confidence with my friends you know I I knew that once they got to know me they liked me I was fun I never lacked for friends but then I had this goofy funny insecure side and I always felt like the ugly duckling compared to my sister and she would laugh at that now but that's that's how I felt to, to be in grade school in the 70s, that does not help, or the 80s. The, the comparing ourselves to others is a problem. And I know with social media, we do a lot of that. Do you still feel like you are comparing yourself to others? Yes. And what's funny is moving to Austin, Texas, and I have great friends here. I, I lucked out. I have this group of five amazing women, and their ages range from kind of mid late thirties and I'm the oldest of the group. And I find every once in a while that insecurity creeps in when we take a group picture, you know, and they're 36 and I'm almost 54. And, but it's, it, but it's a battle. And you know what, you just have to put it in perspective. It's, it, I've never done Botox. I've never done Cause I have a mom who I think is the most beautiful, amazing woman. And she's been a great role model. I'm just trying to figure it out gracefully. Does that make sense? You know, with social media, yeah, I find myself not wanting to post certain pictures sometimes. You know what I mean? Even you wanting my headshot. I'm like, oh, geez, how am I going to, do I have to zoom in on that? Can we just, I always try to be the girl behind just with my little, I have a pinhead and just put my little pinhead behind everybody else. So yeah, I still struggle for sure. When you were growing up, did you have confident people around you that you could look up to? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I would say... For sure, my parents, very confident, loving, warm, never saw them that I thought were second guessing who they were. My grandparents, I had I had friends who just were unique and fun and different. Yeah, I think it was an easier time. You just didn't, you just were you. And nobody, you didn't take 50 selfies a day and you just were you. None of, none of my friends were filtering their waist to look smaller. It just, you were you. <laughs> it was great. I think we do, when we see people online, often we see only the absolute best that they want to show you. And it might've been doctored a little bit. Oh yeah. And so I, I do appreciate when someone puts a picture out that is not showing their best side because I love the honesty. And that's nice. So as you were growing up, what sorts of things did you do? Were you in sports, band, music, dance? I was in gymnastics. I was the most inflexible gymnast you've ever met. And I was actually the most inflexible cheerleader you've ever met. I made up for it in my spirit. That's what I tell myself. But I, I did gymnastics growing up. You know, I think there wasn't the opportunity to do soccer. And oh, I did, I did play basketball in the sixth grade. And I made a basket for the opposite team. That was terrible. I still remember that day. Yeah, that was awful. I quit basketball very soon after. <laughs> and then I got into, in middle school, I got in, it was called the Husky Singers. And in Bismarck, North Dakota, that was one of the coolest things you could do was to make Husky Singers. Uh, we performed all around and it was just, even the, the athletes were in it. It was just a cool thing to be a part of. And I made it. And I remember that being one of the most fun memories I have growing up. I was a cheerleader in, in middle school and in high school. And then in high school, I was in the choir my sophomore year. I sort of wanted to do theater, but at that time you couldn't do cheerleading and 
be in the theater at the same time. I would have loved that because I love theater. I love Broadway. I love musicals. So I just sort of then stuck to cheerleading, which I loved. But the singing, you're a singer. I didn't know that. I can carry a tune. Uh, no, because you're a singer. I know you're a singer. <laughs> nothing. You have nothing for us prepared. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me sing now. Up tune in a ballad. But in Bismarck grade, I was fabulous. So talk to me about the confidence in the sports. It sounds like basketball didn't go well for you. No. Nope. But cheerleading did? Cheerleading did. Yeah, I just, I loved it from, from day one. I just loved it. It was just, because I love sports. I loved being a part of that. I think obviously it's changed a lot from what it was when we were growing up and what we did. It, I don't normally like to be in front of people, but I loved I loved being in front of the crowd then. I loved it. I just loved it. And in high school, that was, I mean, those were my best memories were cheerleading, for sure. Yeah, if you don't like being in front of people, cheerleading might not be for you. Might not be your best choice. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Why is confidence important to us? I think if you, I think when you don't have confidence, you make choices that probably aren't best for who you are and how God made you. You're making choices based on other people or you're forming yourself to be like other people, not who you are. When you have confidence, it's easy to settle in and just be okay, instead of spending all that time worrying about everybody else. So when you think of a confident person, who do you think of? Oh, gosh, I have a lot of people. I for sure think of my dad, absolutely think of my dad. Small town kid, only child, his mom died when he was five or six you know, pretty lonely life. He, his dad was a farmer. So they, he grew up on a farm and he just had that, he just has that confidence, you know, he just always did. And he and his dad had different political beliefs and that was fine, you know, and he went off and went to UND, went to law school, joined the JAG and got into politics and, you know, just did really, really well, but stuck to who he was as a person, didn't try to change for anybody else. And I just love that. That's great. It's nice to have that role model. And now you have three kids of your own, correct? Yes. And so sometimes I'll ask people if you could tell your younger self wearing the eye patch and the braces, if you could talk to that person, <laughs> what would you say? But you, you have three of a younger you essentially running around. How have you helped them with their confidence as they've grown up? Oh, that can go so deep because I, all three of my kids have anxiety. They all have ADD. It's all Chad's fault. Cause I don't have it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I live with, I lived with four people uh, and it all came out in different ways. You know, uh, I think, oh God, my oldest son, Matt, who's now, he's going to be 27. He was picked on and bullied his whole life from early on just for being who he is and who he was. It was foreign to me because even though I was this goofy kind of kid, you know, with the eye patch and whatever, I always had friends, right? It was not an issue for me to kind of sort of figure out where I fit in and, and kids sort of liked me anyway. Maybe not all that much, but I thought they did. But I had a kid who could not, could not fit in. And through a lot of praying and a lot of counseling and help and, you know, Matt's killing it. I mean, he's, but his confidence was just continually beat down that he wasn't okay for who he is and who he was. And we just tried to make sure that he always felt loved at home, that we thought he was the best kid in the whole world that we saw his intelligence and his, his kindness and his 
that's because the world is a pretty ugly place. And, and I think because of that, he was able to get through and find that he's okay who he is, you know, and Ellie was completely different. You know, Matt couldn't buy a friend. Ellie ran with the popular crowd and that was not great either. That's not always a good thing. And, and she, she suffered and struggled trying to figure out who she was and, and her confidence. And, and then I had this third kid whose confidence was through the roof. I mean, he taught himself to play hockey his sophomore year in high school and he was not great, but he was at a small little Christian school and he lettered, which cracks us up. But he's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Soccer, he was not great. Parents were like, why is he the goalie? And I would ask him, why are you the goalie? He said, because he asked me to, I'm, I'm fine, I'm good. I mean, I, I don't know. He just had this through the roof confidence. So it's been a journey with all of them. And I think as adults, they've come out with a good sense of self. And that's as a parent, right? That that's what you hope for, that they are settled in who they are. Excellent, yeah. One of the things is, as we've been doing this, we've been asking people what they think confidence means to them. And we have all kinds of different answers, none of which agree with each other, because I think it is a very personal thing. And it's something that, like you said, your son says he's confident. Why are you so confident? And, you know, he says he's confident. He either is or he's making it up and yeah. you have to believe him. But it is it is interesting that a lot of times we won't do stuff because we're afraid, yeah. which sometimes there's fears. I'd like to play with that rattlesnake, however, right? and it's good not to. But we have fears of failing. We have fears of being rejected by other people or being judged by other people. How do we get past that stuff? How do we get past those fears and just do it? Because this is what I want to do. Oof. Well, I because I still struggle with that. As a 50, almost 54 year old, almost 54 year old woman, I still struggle with, am I good enough? Am I? And I, and I have friends who are just like, oh, I don't care. I just don't care what anybody thinks. I think, well, I, I kind of do. And so I got to, right? It's just how I, God made me that way. And I think that I will be 90 and I'm still going to care what Susan in 1A at, you know, whatever home, does she think I'm a kind, good person? That's just, I think that's just how God made me. I don't always like it. I think for me, it's just stepping into that fear, being willing to try. And this job at the winery, I literally had never opened a bottle of wine myself. Chad always opened it for me or I had the rabbit. I never had an actual, you know, the actual real. I got the job and I thought, okay, I don't even know how to open this bottle of wine by myself. But I thought, I want to do this. I can do this. I know I can do this. I know I can. And, and I'm so glad. And it was so scary and so dumb. It's just this fun wine job, but it's nothing I'd ever done before. I've never been in the service industry. And I'm so glad I faked my confidence that I could do it because now I, now I have it. Now I've got the confidence. Now I kill it here. <laughs> I think they like me. It's fine. When I teach people every day and they're learning new skills at the place where I work, and it is interesting to watch people as they're starting a new job and they're gaining that confidence. For some people in some jobs, they'll have a mentor. And in some people in their life, they'll have a mentor. Have you ever had a mentor or someone that you could really lean on like that? Yeah. You know, I, I always had my mom. I still have my mom. She's the first person I call. She always was. She just has this quiet confidence about her. 
And I always look to her probably first before most people. And then I think for me outside of her and kind of family was finding this group of women in a Bible study when I first had Matt. Um, it was, you know, you're kind of, I was mid twenties. I always believed, I always had a faith, but now I got these kids I have to raise, right? And what do I believe and why do I believe it? And now it really has to be my own. And I found this D group of women who were just a little bit older than me. And it was a place that I could go and just ask any question. And they were so safe and they just helped me build my confidence in my faith. And once that faith was there, that confidence in that I knew who I was in God and Jesus, that just changed my world. Because outside of my faith, I mean, does it really matter what other people think? It, what really matters is my relationship with the Lord. And I, you know, and that, that grounds me a lot. When I start to go off the rails and, and get sucked into what the world says, because I have a faith, I'm reminded about what is important and, and who I am in Jesus. To me, that's what's important. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You start to realize that these are people that I wouldn't take advice from. Why would I take criticism from them? Exactly. I've always told my kids that too, when they would, somebody would hurt them. And I would think, is that someone that you really care about their opinion? I mean, is that someone that it makes you better or worse? No. I mean, there are certain people that if I hurt them because I value their friendship, I value who they are, that's crushing, right? When you know you've, but if, if it's somebody that I'm like, oh, that's okay, I'll get over it. So I want to go back to, we were talking about people starting new jobs and everything. And I know as a teacher, I go into a class and I have a certain feeling, depending on what the class is of either, oh, I really know this, or I have no idea why me. I want to go back to your first day of teaching second graders. I was, I got hired as a long-term supposition. So I was taking over for this teacher that everybody loved. Her name was Elizabeth and they just, they just loved her. And I thought, oh, these poor kids, they have no idea that I'm, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I was sick to my stomach. I'm driving. I'm thinking I can't, I can't do it. I just, I, I can't do it. I can't do it, but you're doing it right. And you just walk through those doors and did those kids learn much those couple years I taught? I don't know, but I was a really fun teacher. We listened to Free to Be You and Me. We did a lot of plays. We had a lot of fun recess. It was second grade. But oh my gosh, I, I thought I can't do this job. I, I don't, what was I thinking? These poor children. But somehow you just walk through those doors and you do it. And I, I, think, I, did a, I think I did an okay job. And I think I'm so glad, you know, that I took the risk to do it. I could have taken a safer job or an easier where I was, but I'm so glad I did it. And I know in, in high school, you were a cheerleader. And at some point it had to be that first game, that first time showing up in uniform to do stuff. How did you feel then? Did you feel like we've practiced, we've rehearsed, I know stuff? Oh, I don't know why. I always felt super confident in that. In fact, probably maybe a little too confident. I remember in ninth grade, one of the mothers called, her name was Miss Cressup, was our cheerleading advisor and complained because I was making too many decisions. You know, what color socks are we gonna wear today? And I just, I, I just didn't like it when people just, you just make some decisions and nobody would take responsibility. And I, I just, that was a very easy thing for me. I was captain in high school and captain at the U. Um, I might not have been the best cheerleader, the most 
flexible, best tumbler, best flyer, but I just loved it. It was fun. So at the University of Minnesota, that first time you were a cheerleader, you went out and what was your feeling then? Confidence? Ooh, uh, not so much that summer. And I broke my foot. I, Michael and I were partners. Uh, we went to the 4th of July Ridgefield Parade and I came down from a stunt and I stepped in a crack and broke my foot. And so that took all my confidence out because I had to wear a boot for whatever, six to eight weeks. We went to camp. I couldn't do anything. And I thought, I'll never, I'll never catch up. I'll never get back there. But I just loved it so much that by the time we had our first football game, I think I just was more excited than I was nervous. And it just felt right. And again, I was never the best. I just loved it. It just was fun to me. So let's turn the tables here. Coming from a booming town in North Dakota, to little old Minneapolis, St. Paul. How was that for you? Were you confident about making the move? No. <laughs> no, did I not tell you that change is hard for me? Did you not hear that early on? Oh no, I cried. I cried from the time we got in the car for the eight hour drive to Minneapolis. I was horrible that summer. I just wanted to go back. I had a boyfriend that was playing, you know, soft or baseball and no, I hated every single minute of it. No, I hated it. I would have stayed exactly where I was. I'm not going to lie. And again, the best thing that probably ever happened to me, you know, it just, it forced me to have to make my way. And I couldn't depend on the, my friends to give me confidence. I had to find it in myself. You know, it was hard. It was really hard. And life does throw you lots of curveballs and put lots of hurdles in your way. Uh, my research team says that for your, was it the groom's dinner? You had a little bit of snow to contend with? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had 20. See, again, I'm just telling you, nothing goes easy for me. That's just, I learned that early on. If it's going to happen, it might happen to me. And yes, we had the Halloween blizzard, 28 inches of snow. Yep. It was a good time, but we got married. We did it. The rings came in the middle of the ceremony. Every store was shut down. They had to open up to get the tuxes. Chad's two friends in the middle of the wedding drove downtown Minneapolis, picked up our rings, made it right before the actual ring exchange. So we had our actual rings. Yeah, half the people didn't show up. My grandparents didn't come. My aunt and uncle, lots of friends, but you know what? It's a memory. <laughs> As a list maker, because I've married a list maker, did that drive you crazy because you had all these things that were supposed to happen, but now it was going to be different? No, because here's the thing. Um, I basically copied my best friend's wedding from the year before, and I didn't really care that much. I, now I would care probably more. Then it was sort of like, uh, I mean, I had short hair, so who's getting her hair done? I didn't get my nails done. I didn't care. Yeah, I mean, that part of it didn't matter to me so much. The people that I loved that couldn't make it, that part was super hard. You know, my grandparents not being able to make it, that was super painful. But again, you have a choice to make. You're either going to, you know, still make the best of it and enjoy every moment, or you're going to be miserable and wish that it had been different. And we, we had a great time and, and we got out for a honeymoon that night, barely. And it was good. It was good. I was still shoveling, but along with most everybody thinking of you guys. Well, a lot of times when we have a, something like that happen, we tend to look at the bad and we look at the things that went wrong and this didn't happen. That didn't happen. We didn't get there. These people didn't show up. And I know my wife will always tell me when we're camping, 
it's those things that go wrong when the cooler accidentally falls in the river and floats downstream and you lose it. Those are the things that we remember. That's what we talk about. That's where memories are made is in the- For sure. But I think a lot of times in life, we look at those bad things and we focus on the bad things because we want to improve them. We want to avoid them the next time. I think we're kind of wired that way. As we're looking at stuff, we're, we tend to look at stuff as half empty rather than half full. And working in a winery, of course, you always want it to be closer to full. But then I am known to give very good pours. And, and when they ah. when they hire somebody new, they'll say, don't pour like ramen because she will give you. I do because I want a nice pour. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. Treat others as you would have them treat you. That's how I feel. So another one of the things that I, we're going back to the time when you're talking about being a teacher and coming in and having a little bit of uh, imposter syndrome. I remember when we had our first child. And they just let us walk out of the hospital with it. And I thought, <laughs> I'm not a parent. This thing doesn't come with a manual. What do I do? Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the process of becoming a parent and the confidence that you get. And I always joke about that first diaper was like diffusing a, a bomb. And then later on, you're just slapping them together. No big deal because you've done it before. But tell me about your parenting experience and the confidence you gathered and how you did it. So I think it was one of my the first people out of my group of friends to have a baby. So I had no clue whatsoever. The birth was traumatic. Coming home was just, yeah, completely overwhelming. And from the very beginning, Matt was different. There was just something like when most babies have their hands open, right? They're just there. And Matt was always, his hands were clutched. And I remember his first year of life reading, I actually broke out in hives probably first two months because I didn't know how to parent this sweet little baby boy. And I would read all the books and as he got older and people would tell me how to manage Matt and do all these things. And I finally got to the point where I thought, no, I know him best. None of these books are going to, they don't know him like I know him. And when I was able to sort of let that go and that he was maybe a little bit different than some of the other my other kids or friends kids it was so much easier to parent when I was stopped comparing myself to everybody else now trust me lots of years battling that issue right you know when you have kids who may be just a little bit different or don't walk that path that seems that every kid should walk we knew with Matt he with his anxiety there was it was it was something that we couldn't do by ourselves and I was lucky enough to find a parent coach. Um, she was a therapist. Her name's Polly Niederlow. She was amazing. And I was brought her name through a friend and we had a mom's group. So there was about five or six of us that were walking through a lot of the same issues as the other people in our group were. And I remember Polly saying to me, you know, there are times as a parent, you just gotta, you just gotta keep them alive. Your job is to keep them alive until their frontal lobe develops. Or she would say to me, Robin, you know, if you want to, oh, how do I explain this? You know how parents will be, they love to brag about how great their kids are and their accomplishments and their, well, it's because I'm such a good parent. Well, you better be willing to, when your kids make a mistake, then take on that responsibility yourself. She's like, Robin, you are their parent. It is not, they are their own people. And once I was able to understand that I could be the best parent in the world, but they are their own, they have their own journey, their own path. And I'm just going to do the best job that I can as a mom and get the help and support I need. And when they do it well, applaud them. When they don't pick up the pieces, it just took my confidence then as a parent 
blossomed. Does that make sense? When I was able to just not take on all of, I'm a good parent. I did the best job I could and I love them. I'll be there to pick up the pieces. It made it so much easier, but it's certainly, it's certainly a roller coaster ride. <laughs> and a lot of times we think we have to do these things ourselves and we don't have to do these things ourselves. No, I wish everybody could have had a poly. And then Polly not only helped each one of my kids in different ways, because we would meet with her, you know, specifically with whatever they might be going through. She would also meet with Chad and myself so that we could figure out a way to parent them the best way. Because like, especially with Matt, we wanted to pull him out of the public school his freshman year because it was so incredibly awful. You know, my husband had a perspective of, well, I kind of went through hard stuff too. You know, I was picked on a little bit too, but I, I made it through and it's fine. And as his mom, I'm, I see a whole different perspective and having somebody that both of us could talk to, to walk through that and make the best decision possible for Matt was so helpful. And again, and our, our confidence in that decision was like, yep, I don't care what anybody else says. This is what's best for our kid. Mm -hmm. That's it. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And we had a lot of people who had a lot of opinions. I didn't care. We kind of went off the books when we had kids because we thought it was important that one of us be home with the kids. So I stayed home with the first one for 18 months and Amy stayed home with the second one for 18 and I stayed home with the third one for 18 months. I love that. I'm not sure if they should have me as a male role model, but it was nice that we were able to be there for them. Yeah. But it was, it was different too because... You know, you talk about that comparison and that judging. And I remember going down to the park and the other moms would be there with their kids and they would look over at me like, doesn't that kid have a mom? It's like, yeah, but she's got this great job and yeah. she's working. And yeah. so I'm here. Yeah. So it was very different. And you can't always, the kids aren't always going to be like them. Your parenting style is not always going to be like them. People are going to be different. And you just have to make sure that you're aware that you're being the best you you can be. Yes. And you don't have to be someone else for the other people out there because there's no pleasing everybody. Some people like short hair. Exactly. But I think too, as a parent, trusting your gut and trusting that you know that and, and God literally picked that kid because he knew you were going to be the best possible parent for that child. And does that mean you're not going to make mistakes and they might be, need therapy down the road because of something, but trusting that there was a purpose in that child as your child. You know, and that's what I would sort of hold on to when, because none of my kids had an easy path. They just didn't. But I'm grateful now. I mean, I think they're better people for it. You know, if you ask Matt, he did a video for our church talking about bullying, and he is definitely a kinder, more compassionate young man than he would have been had he not walked through that difficult part of his life. Do I wish it was different? Yeah. But He's who he is because of that and really proud of that. Yeah, he's a cool kid. He's a great kid. Well, they all are. They're awesome. Well, they had great parents. Oh, well, we tried. I'm sure they'll be in therapy for a couple of things, but it's fine. I think we all will after the last couple of years they've had. I think so too. <laughs> so before we go, is there a tip that you can give people to help them to gain or maintain their confidence? Just be willing to try. If, if Because the, the more you put yourself out there, even if you fail, you come away with it knowing that you gave it your best shot. And I think for me, the move especially really forced me to have to put myself out there. I didn't have my safety net behind me. I had to learn to really trust that the relationships I had were real and were going to stick with me. You know, the hard times are what, to me, what build confidence is that, you know, I remember telling one of my kids, 
if you didn't have any hard times, how are you going to know that you're going to get through it, right? Every time you get through something hard, the next time you've got that confidence to go, I did it already. I know I can do this. So don't be afraid of the hard. Be willing to step into uncomfortable situations. Find people that love and accept you for who you are, because that builds confidence. You know, listen to the compliments. That's hard for me. You know, don't always brush it off, right? Take those compliments for, for the gift that they are, because that can help when you have to step into something where you don't feel the best. Yeah, and surround yourself with good people who love you for who you are. That those are the people that don't, you don't have to pretend to be anybody else. And in friendship, I probably am an overshare. Like I'll tell you all the worst things first so that if you, <laughs> you, if you like me with all the worst things, then I think we're gonna be okay. And it, I mean, I think it works for me. It's like, here's my ugly side, accept it. And then I'll, we can move forward. <laughs> well, thank you very much for sharing everything and have a great time down in Texas. I hope you'll get back up here sometime. Oh, I will. Maybe for homecoming. I know I, I have not been back to homecoming in way too long and we still have our go for basketball tickets. So if you ever want, if you ever want to go to a game, you just have to reach out to me because we, I can't <laughs> give them up. It's, I almost, I almost miss my go for basketball tickets as much as my friends and family. So I, if you ever want to go, they're great seats. Super awesome. It's hard for me to cheer from the stands because I have a very loud voice and nobody wants to sit near me if I start cheering. Okay, you'll feel better because we had a couple in front of us and Chad is so loud that they would they complained. They would turn around and there and he was just cheering and so you would probably be very He's on my team, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very very much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for asking me and pushing me to do this. I know I was not an easy uh, pull in, but I, it was such a joy to talk to you. You make me laugh. You're such a kind, wonderful person. And I, it's, it's a gift. I really appreciate it. I really well, do. Thank you. I like being in front of people and I like making people happy. So, well, you do that. Well, that's for sure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. The tip of the day is don't doubt yourself. You are good enough. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can get more information about confidence and check out the merchandise store on the website at collectingconfidence.com. If you like what you heard, subscribe and pass the link along to a friend who needs to collect confidence. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It's one of the only ways to know if I'm doing a good job. Another way to let me know is to go to the support page. Consider making a small monthly pledge. A pledge as small as the cost of a cup of coffee each month goes a long way to keep the episodes and the information coming your way. The last way to let me know what you think is to drop by our Facebook page or send me an email at john at collectingconfidence.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence.